0: Good morning everybody. Welcome to Greater Elton Church. My name is Tim and I'm glad you could be here with us this morning. Beautiful weekend. It's been been a gorgeous uh, yesterday and today as well. And I hope that uh, today you'll be glad you came and visited with us and and worship with us today. We started 2015 with this in mind, this idea of looking at Jesus, really studying and looking at Jesus Christ. I know for a lot of us here, every Sunday you hear, this is what you should do. You should do this and this and this and this and do this and do this. Underline that. Circle that. Make sure you do this. Did you do this? Don't forget to do that. I mean, we get a lot of that application sermons. And I'm and I I'm a firm believer that most of the Bible is application. But sometimes, guys, I, I'll be honest with you, there's times that I'm doing so much I forget why I'm doing it. And, and so I have to look at the bedrock you know the Bible says somewhere that's how that, that's a, a fancy way for a preacher to say i can 't remember exactly where, but I know it says this okay it says that even when you 've done all that you're commanded to do or all that you should do you're still an unprofitable servant. did you know that the Bible says that why is that I mean after i 've done all this stuff and i've been faithful and I give and I work and I read and I study and and I try to forgive and I try you know try to treat people better what um What do you, you know, that's a lot of stuff to do, Tim. And you're telling me that Jesus says you're still an unprofitable servant. Why is that? Well, I believe this is the reason. When you take everything you do and you put it before everything God has done, there's no comparison. And that so so this idea and that's why I think sometimes when we're doing things we're doing things for the Lord we're applying we're trying to be Christians we're trying to obey we're trying to serve we're doing all these things sometimes we can get so hooked on that and say Lord I'm doing all this stuff and we get frustrated discouraged lost in all the details and we forget this is all under this great. Shadow of all the things God has done. That the little things I do, and really they are little compared to what God has done, that what God has done is the motivator. And that's why 2015 we've, we're spending the whole year focusing on Jesus and what He has done, what God has done. That's why we've, you know, here we are, week 10. We're still in our first series. When is this series going to end? I don't know. There's 200 names for Jesus. That's four years of material. That's a long time. But, but I want you to know that, that we're, gonna, we're, we're focusing on, on what are people and what does even God say He is, and, or who He is? What do people say he, who He is? Um, and these phrases and descriptions are all designed to help us understand Jesus better. We're doing that series. We're going to follow that up with another series called The Parables of Jesus. We're going to look at what Jesus, the stories He told. Jesus was a wordcraft or a wordsmith. He loved using stories to illustrate His points. We're going to spend time doing that. And then after that, we're going to have a series just Jesus with the people. We're going to look at Jesus and His encounter with people. Because I want to, I want to love and I want to learn and I want to be like Christ. How about you when it comes to people? And He was in this broken world. And you watch how he treats people, and we're gonna we're gonna focus and focus on who he is, what he says, and what he does, so we can get a bigger idea of this. I want to call it just this canopy, this huge shadow of everything that God has done, so that when He asks you and I to do something, we don't hesitate. We're so motivated by God's love and grace, and that's why we've been looking at here recently. We've over the last ten weeks we've been looking at this question who do you say I am I didn't ask that question Jesus asks that question in fact the passage here's the passage we get it from in Matthew it's up here on the screen well it's over above Jesus' head and um, wow there Oh, it's, it's moving around here's what it says when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi he asked his disciples he asked people who followed him who do people say the son of man is he does kind of like a little straw poll what are people saying this is a pagan city There's not a Pharisee or a sadducee within miles. This is a Roman, Gentile filled city. And he says, Who do people say? And they say, Well, to be honest with you, some say you're John the Baptist, others say Elijah, Uh, still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And so Jesus looks at them and says, Yeah, okay, what about you? Who do you say I am? You know, Jesus says, You know, so what have you decided? Everybody else, you've taken a poll and you have getting an idea. What do you think? How do you see it? See, this is a very important question every disciple needs to ask them, themselves. Because it's how you answer this question is going to shape how you follow Jesus. How you answer this question is going to shape your expectations, your strategy, your plans, your outlook, your behavior, your values, your response to what God has to say. Right now, right now, this very second, you are living the way you are based on the concept you have of Jesus. You are living, making choices and decisions based on how you see Jesus Christ. If you don't see Him as much, guess what? Your choices don't include Him very much. When, if you see you see that he's forgiving, guess what? You're probably forgiving. If you see him as a radical that's trying to shake up things, guess what? You're probably going to be radical and shake up things. You say, "Well, I don't I, I don't shake up things." Then you better look again at how, your concept of Christ. I'm not very forgiving. You better look at your concept of Christ. And the thing is, guys, and I say this to me and not just to you, okay? It doesn't matter what other people think of Jesus as much as you do as much as I personally think of Jesus. I mean I got people that have put ram things down my throat, pushed it in my pushed my face in it, kicked, pushed, guilted, shamed, motivated, dangled reward in front of me trying to get me to do something for Jesus, but guys I'll tell you what, what I think about Jesus is really going to be the ultimate decision maker in my life and the same is true for you. It cannot be somebody else's. You know, my sons, uh, I've raised them the best I can to be Christian men, but they don't have my faith. Hey, you know that, Tim? It's different. It's different. And as parents, sometimes we want our kids to have our faith. Do we pass it on? We pass on faith to our kids. I think this weekend uh, my wife was doing a lesson and talked about Timothy, and the faith that lived in your grandmother and in your mother, and now I am persuaded lives in you also. But if you look at Timothy, his faith is different than his grandmother and his mother's. They, they believe the same in the same person, but it expresses itself differently. Why is that? Because you're responsible for your faith, and I'm responsible for mine. And so it's really critical. It's so important that we. The more we see Jesus, the clearer we can see Him, the more it will feed our faith, the more it will shape our faith. I am not the same person I was 30, 40 years ago when I became a Christian. I saw Jesus totally differently than I did. I say differently, totally. I'm saying it compared, it's, it's grown, it's, it's, it's different now. And my expectations have changed as well. And I hope... As we study Jesus out here, guys, as this church, is that, that I really hope that you're, you know that your faith is going to change over time, and hopefully grow as you step back and see more and more of what Jesus Christ is all about. What's the Bible say? I hope he, something like Paul says. I hope you can figure out and, and know how deep and wide and how high the love of God is. Why? It's so big, Tim. It takes a lifetime to understand peace that passes understanding you don't get one Sunday you don't get in a few years it takes a lifetime of looking at Jesus again and again and again and I don't know where you are if you're focused so much on what you're doing that you're not focusing on what God has done but this series is about what God has done this year is going to be about what God has done yeah we'll talk about what you should do don't do this do this, don't do yeah, you're gonna hear that. But hopefully you're gonna walk away this year with a deeper and clearer understanding of who Jesus Christ is that'll motivate you that any given moment when you when you feel his spirit call you to do something, you say, Yes, Lord, I am your servant. Because you've done so much for me. You're asking me to do what? I'll do more. That would be awesome. Today I want to talk about a phrase that uh, has been used by one particular disciple of Jesus, his closest friend, John. And, And John uses this phrase over 30 times in the Bible. Most of it's in the book of Revelation. And the term is the Lamb of God. What's this term mean? Let me read from you a passage here. This is the very first time it's mentioned. The Lamb of God is mentioned by John. It's in the Gospel of John, chapter 1. And I'm going to read here for a while, and then we'll focus on some verses. After John has explained that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, he says this, John testifies concerning Him, that is the Word. He cries out saying, This was He of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because He was before me. That's how great, that's how great Jesus is. He's eternal. From the fullness of His grace, we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made Him known. Now this was John's testimony when the Jews of Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask Him who He was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Christ. They asked Him, Then... Who are you? Are you Elijah? And he said, No, I'm not. Are you the prophet? He goes, Nope. Finally they said, Well, who are you? (laughs) Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? Here's what John says. Here's a chance for him to brag, folks. Here's a chance for him to go, Look what I'm doing. And here's what he says. John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the desert. Make straight the way of the Lord. That's Isaiah 40, by the way. Now some Pharisees who had, who had been, been sent questioned him, Why then do you baptize if you're not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? He goes, I baptize with water. John replied, But among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the thongs of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie I'm not even worthy to touch His shoes. That's the difference between me and Jesus Christ. There's no one. Listen to me, guys. There's nobody like Jesus. Nobody. No man, no woman. No one like Jesus Christ. And John's clear about that. All this happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. There it is, the first time you see it, where John mentions it. This is the one I meant when I said, The man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him. Look at this. He says, I don't know him. But the reason I came baptizing with water was that He might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on Him. I would not have known Him except that the One who sent me to baptize with water told me. He says, only God revealed this to me. I had no idea who it was. And then all of a sudden, I see a dove light on this man. And I hear a voice from heaven says, This is my Son. Listen to Him. He says, I have seen and I testify that this is the Son of God. The next day, I mean, John is just every day. John, John's recording. Look what happens the next day after all that happens. John, John the Baptist, was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Let's pray. God, I want to ask you right now, Lord. Just to help me be clear today. I've got so much stuff to talk about. So much stuff. Too much stuff, Lord. And I didn't have time to prepare. You just kept giving it to me. So quickly. I hope I haven't missed something. So, help us listen. Listen to Your Word. Use this Sunday service, Lord, to help us see Your Lamb pray in Christ's name. Amen. John the Baptist is the last prophet of the Old Testament, the very last guy. He's called the link between the Old Testament and the New Testament. He's only here a short time. We know very little about this guy. He eats bugs. He must have had a Harley. He had bugs in his teeth. He'd eat wild honey. And he, and he dressed in these crazy clothes. I know he had a Harley. Okay, so we know that now. No, he was he was just he just didn't fit in with everybody else. He lived in the desert like some crazy guy. And we all we know is that he's close to the age of Jesus, born just a little sooner than Jesus Christ. He's a young man, and he is the voice. He's, he, his job is just to point and prepare people for Jesus Christ. All he's doing is pointing and preparing. His message, in a way, is follow the Lamb, not me. Leave me. Leave me and follow the Lamb. And that's a message every disciple needs to remember when you're training people. It's about following Jesus, not you. And that somewhere in that message used to be, it's, listen man, don't follow me and just me. You follow me as I follow Christ, but remember it's about Christ. Why? Because I may not be around anymore, but Jesus will always be there for you. And so John, here's his lamb. he's only here for a brief moment. He loses his head. The guy is killed in his 20s. He's a young man, praise God. A young man. God uses young people. He uses a young man to introduce Jesus and prepare the way of the Lord. He's on a mission. And his mission is simply, look at the Son of God, and he's trying to prepare people for the Messiah that they've been waiting generations for. Look what he says in your notes or up here on the screen. Here's that first verse in John 1.29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming... T- Toward him, and he said, "Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world." He's saying, "Behold, the Lamb of God." As I think the King James says, I like the word "Behold." Look, this makes it, guys. When someone says, "Look," you know, "Look over there," and what do we do? We look. You know, did you? It, basically, we, it, it, it's not a glance. It's not just a quick survey. He's saying, "Look at that." You know, there's a car wreck. Look, and everybody just rubber a rubbernecking down the road. When we're looking. It means to study, to admire, to stare at, to focus on. And he's saying, Behold the Lamb of God. Why? He takes away the sins of the world. And the next day, he says it again. He saw Jesus passing by. He said, Look, the Lamb of God. And we know that the two of his disciples leave John and start following Jesus. And if you keep reading John 1, they even write down the time that they met Jesus. It was four in the afternoon. That's how much it impressed them. See, this is a major statement when you say Lamb of God. A Jew, that's going to get a Jew's attention when you say, Behold the Lamb of God. Look at the Lamb of God. Because Jews understood what lambs were about. They were about sacrificing and eating. That was it. You sacrificed them and you sacrificed a lot of them. I think Chris did a great job explaining that. How many millions of lambs and goats and bulls. I mean, it's like, you ever been to a slaughterhouse? You ever been near a slaughterhouse? It doesn't smell pretty. I wonder how the temple, I mean, all that incense is going up, but a lot of blood being shed. Especially if it was a crazy weekend. Imagine the line then on Monday. No, when they see, see when they see the lamb of God, they don't see what we see. We don't see When we speak of lambs, we think of little bundles of wool. You know, Mary had a little lamb, little lamb, little lamb. You know, we learned that as a kid. That's what we think of. Not the Jew. He thinks of lambs that being slaughtered and killed at the temple. Because every day it's happening and he knows it. Every day. Two lambs are being sacrificed. One in the morning and one at, nine, uh, at in the afternoon. At three in the afternoon. Every day. Passover. This lamb. And by the way, when they think of the Lamb of God, they think of a lamb like the Passover lamb. And so when he says, look at the Lamb of God, he's not looking at the lamb you brought. He's not saying... Not the lamb you brought to temple. Not the lamb she brought to temple or that family brought to temple or that priest brought to temple. Look at the lamb that God brought to the world. Pay attention to that one. Why? Why? Why is this lamb above all the others? <laughs> I'll give me, let me give you five things you can learn by looking at the lamb. If you'll look at the lamb like John says to do, you're going to learn, first of all, the Lamb of God tells me I matter. That I count. And other people may say you, you don't matter. And they may have wrote you off and, and given up on you. But God says, oh, I see a value in you so much that, well, Jesus would rather die than be without you. You know, when you look at, when you read about the lambs in the Bible, the Passover lamb in particular, Exodus 11. Here's up on the screen. Let me show you something here. This is this was the instructions that Moses was talking. He was talking to Pharaoh, and he was saying this to Pharaoh. He says, "Listen, the last plague is about to come, and it's going to be the death of the firstborn." And he says, "There's going to be a lot of people weeping and crying, but there's not going to be any need for the Israelites to cry." I love. I did I never knew this passage was in the Bible. I've read my Bible through six years now, and I didn't see this one. Look at it says, "Things will be so quiet that not even a dog will be heard barking." Anybody got any neighbor dogs that bark all night and keep you up? I've got one. Drives me crazy. Two of them. Oh, tempting! It's so tempting to get my airsoft or my paintball rifle and dress up in black and sneak out there. But I don't want you to read in the paper, local preacher. Shooting the neighbor's dogs. <laughs> Thought about putting a little antifreeze out there. They like that. I know. I'm just telling... I, 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 woo, 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 woo. Two in the morning. Woo, 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 Why are these dogs barking? Why do dogs bark? How come... I've Anybody done door knocking? You walk up. How do you feel when you go... And then you, little, little lady comes up. hi. What is, what is it? We like. Well, we're inviting people to church. I love church. I'll be there. That's great. I like that. But how about this? <laughs> <laughs> the doors. <laughs> why is the dog all of a sudden? Why is he starting to bark? Stranger, danger. So this, he said. Moses tells tells Pharaoh, "Listen, something so catastrophic is going to come down on on Egypt, but not on Israel." Their dogs aren't even going. To, you're only going to hear them barking. You know when the when the death angel came. You know what people heard? Mothers and fathers crying, dogs barking. There was a commotion, but not in Israel. He, was, he he says, "Let me tell you what's. Let me tell you. Because of this, then you Egyptians will know that the Lord is good to the Israelites, even while He punishes you." Now, how's that possible? Well, if you read Exodus 12, you find that Moses tells the people, he says, look, here's what I want you to do. I want you to put some blood on the doorpost. and You're going to take a lamb. You're going to get that lamb four days before you do this. Bring it into your house. And then at twilight on this particular day, you're going to cut its throat, take the blood, and put it on the door. And then you're going to cook this animal and eat it. And the, angel, the death angel will pass over you. Why? Because you matter. You matter. It's a mark of distinction. See, I want to tell you something, guys. God clarifies. He clarifies your value by offering His Lamb for you. If that's what a lamb can do out of a guy's herd, make the death angel pass over... What would God's lamb say? It says, it's good. Uh, this lamb makes it... You'll see God is good by the blood of this animal. What about the blood of His Son? What would that say? Peter says, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from your empty way of life handed down to you by your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ a lamb without blemish or defect. How do you assess the value of something? Hmm. You guys ever watch PBS at Antiques Roadshow? Somebody brings something in and they're telling them, oh, this belongs to my uncle or somebody and it's from an artifact from the 1800s and you're, they're looking at it. Well, you know these markings here indicate and they, Well, how much do you think it's worth? And they always say something like this. Well, recently at an auction... An item like this sold for $20,000. Then the person, they're picking them up off the floor, you know. You're kidding me! No. So it's worth $20,000? It is to somebody. And that's how you know if something's valuable. What are people willing to pay? What are people willing to pay for you, for me? I've had people say, I wouldn't give you $5 or I would, would God gives us his lamb. He gives us his lamb. He gave the delight of his heart for you. And guys, if we can accept this, this is the thing that hit me, if I can accept this truth, if I could just get this in there and stick inside my head, I wouldn't have such a self-image problem. It doesn't give you the big head to know that God says, you're so valuable I'd die for you, I think it gives you a big heart of gratitude that reminds you, hey, I love you. Tim, I love you. Church, I love you. And I'd rather die than to be without you. That's the first thing I notice about this Lamb of God. I think John is saying the Lamb of God really talks about God's love here. Here's the second thing the Lamb of God, when we study it, we'll learn, and that is the Lamb of God is spotless. The Lamb of God is spotless. First Peter again, he says, You were bought with the precious blood of Christ's death. And look what it says. He was a pure and perfect sacrificial lamb. As I was looking at this, you know, this this and um, I know Joanne Bateman's in the crowd, and Joanne, this reminds me of the Leviticus study, is what it's reminded me of this Leviticus study. Because I'm looking at this lamb again, revisiting it. I'm so glad we did Leviticus because it really helped me understand again how important this point is. Leviticus records 17 different uses for lambs. 17 different uses for lambs. From the Passover lamb to the two lambs they offered every day at 9 a.m. One was there and then 3 p.m. in the afternoon. These guys, guys, listen, these were not your run-of-the-mill lambs. You didn't just walk out to the herd and grab one and bring it over. No, this, this lamb, according to the Old Testament, it had to be spotless. These lambs were special. These lambs were healthy. There was not a flaw on them. They weren't diseased. So that means they were rare. And they were valuable. If you, I, Denise and I went to the Illinois State Fair a few years ago. And we get up there and uh, we decide to go through all the barns, you know, all the different animals. So we go through the pigs. And, man. Whew. And I I've been a while since I, I grew up on a pig farm. My whole school smelled like pigs because nobody ever said, man, you stink. We all smelled like pigs and cows. And so. We're walking through. We walk through the pigs. And I don't forget, when that whiff hit me, I went, and <coughs> went, Denise goes, man. And I go, you know what my dad used to say? He'd go, you know what I smell? And I said, I think you're smelling crap. No, I'm not smelling crap. Very backhand, maybe, well, what you what do you? Think? He goes, I smell money. And then we go through the cows and the horses and the chickens. And then we get to the sheep. And I remember Denise and I looking at these sheep. They were bringing them in. And these weren't the kind I remember seeing as a kid at, at uh, Dale Woods' house when we'd stop and drop them off every day at the bus. These sheep looked like sculptures. Their hair, their wool was trimmed perfectly. Not a, they, they did, their ears were Perfect. Everything was, they're, everything, they're, they're, everything was polished. It was, they were just pristine. And I'd listen, you know, there'd be somebody, they'd take one over and ah, You know, and I'm like, what are they doing? They're auctioning it off. Sold! $8,500. What? What are they gonna do with it? You think they're gonna have a barbecue with that? I, I I tell you what, guys, I can fix you up something for six thousand <laughs> if you're that desperate. You know what they're gonna do with that lamb? They're not gonna do with that sheep? They're gonna use that and breed. Because that's a rare animal and it's valuable. So what God is what is God saying by don't, don't you bring me nothing blemished in Malachi 1? He goes, Don't you dare bring me. He goes, you guys are bringing stuff that's diseased and sick. I mean, the guy's coming in with a, with a lamb with three ears. Yeah, what about this one? No. It's, why not? He says, try, he says in Malachi 1, try offering that to a governor and see what happens. So what's God saying when you say, offer me the best? He's, he's saying to us. He wants us to understand that sin has a high price. And it doesn't take just any animal or just any person. It's going to take something spotless. He says in Exodus 12, about the Passover, select a healthy, spotless lamb four days before you do it. Why four days? Because you're going to go over it and make sure it's good. That it's spotless and it's healthy. Because I won't accept it any other way. Is there a lesson here? Is there a lesson here? Does God want your best or your leftovers? What are you talking about, Tim? God wants your best or your leftovers? Leftover time, leftover money, leftover focus, leftover energy. Or does He want... To be first. By the way, he's saying, You offer me your best. And when it was his turn to offer, he offered his best. He offered his lamb. And it was spotless, blameless, and pure. See, it takes, listen to this, it took something beautiful, something valuable something set apart, something special to take away your sin. To take the sins of the world. And God says, an animal isn't going to do it. It's just going to postpone it. An animal's not... You're going to have to offer another one tomorrow. Are you kidding? Tomorrow. I want two more. And by the way, if you sin, you're going to have to bring another one. Another one? Yeah. Why? Because these lambs aren't doing the job. But I'll give you a lamb from my herd that will do the job. He's not just a lamb. He's not just a, an animal, so to speak. He's a man. He's God and man. I said to you earlier there is nobody like Jesus Christ. How dare any of us put Jesus in the same category as some other religious leader? There's nobody like Jesus Christ, God and man. He was sired by the Holy Spirit, not by a man. And so He walks on the earth, God in the flesh, perfect and spotless. And He deserves preeminence. He deserves a worship unlike anything else. Nothing can be worshipped, should be worshipped, admired, Sacrificed for like the lamb from God. I want to tell you, I just feel so inadequate explaining this. Because I'm good at telling you what to do. And I'm lousy at telling you what God has done. I'm going to get better at it. I'm going to get better at this. In 1 John 3, it's not on the screen, it's not anywhere, it's in the Bible if you want to read it. It says, He appeared so that He might take away our sins, and in Him is no sin. 1 Peter 2.22 says, Christ did not sin or ever tell a lie. Can you say that? I can't. I can't say that. Can anybody? Never sin. There's people in the Bible, guys, like Daniel. There's nothing said bad about him, but you know he sinned. Otherwise, he'd have been our sacrifice. Joseph, hardly, you know, he's he's such a good light, faithful to God, but you know he sinned, or else he'd have been sacrificed. There's no one like Jesus, no lamb like him. So when you look at the lamb, let him have that special place in your heart. By the way I don't know if you know this or not but when Jesus was crucified it was at the same time that those two lambs were sacrificed did you know that that Jesus when he was crucified it was nine in the morning to three afternoon it was right in those time frame where he was crucified did you know did you know that they practiced this this two lamb sacrifice since exodus and it ended in seventy a d and do you know what I didn't know if you knew this or not? I didn't know this. They prayed the priests prayed during this time slot from nine AM to three every day as they sacrificed those two lambs. And here's what they prayed about. They prayed during that time the redemp for redemption from God, the coming of the Messiah, the forgiveness of sin, and resurrection. Is that wild? They prayed for that. They've been praying for it since Exodus 29. Since they come out of Egypt. And they had no idea the Lamb of God fulfilled all four of those and answered all four of those prayers. That's how special He is. Is He that special to you? He was spotless. And He should be treated as holy. Holy. In your life. Number three, the Lamb of God was offered for everyone. If you watch the Lamb of God and look at the Lamb of God, you're going to notice He was offered for everyone. John points that out. He says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Once a year, the Passover lamb was, was sacrificed. To, to, uh, uh, once a year, the lamb, two lambs were sacrificed every day. And that didn't count the thousands you know, of lambs that were sacrificed because of personal sin temple was busy. And I said, like I said before, remember this now, all these lambs were brought by somebody, by a person on their behalf. If you were to think about it today, you know, it would be like, you know, Floyd brings a ram. Mike brings a ram. You know, Jen brings a, you know, Janet, you know, all you guys, Matt, Corey, you know, we all bring a lamb. Mike brings a lamb. You know, Jim Shrimp brings a lamb. He might have to bring two. But anyway. No, but he brings a lamb. Everybody brings a lamb. You know what I'm saying? All of us are bringing a lamb. Who's hurt who's for my herd? This is your lamb, yeah. And if you remember in the temple, you put your hand on the head and you cut its throat and you let it bleed out in your hands. And you'd feel that body quiver, life quivering out of it. And I think God wanted you to know this living thing, innocent living thing, died in your place. But the Lamb of God, folks, was brought by God. It's not your Lamb. It's His. He wants to give this Lamb to you. He wants you to make this Lamb yours. Because you have something in common with this Lamb. Your sin, my sin, is on this lamb. And God brings Jesus, a perfect man, not like the other things that have been sacrificed. This lamb isn't like the other lambs that took away the sins of the Jew or the person that's personally offering it. This lamb is going to take away the sins of the whole world. Let that sink in a minute. This isn't a Jewish. This isn't just for the Jew, but for the whole world. Everybody, Tim. Everybody? Yeah. What does everybody mean? Well, look at Revelation here. Let's see if we can get some light on this. Here's Revelation, John speaking, his vision. He goes, I saw a lamb standing in the center of the throne. Guys, in the middle. Of Heaven, in the middle of God's reign, in the middle of God's power, in the middle of God's sovereignty, in the middle of God himself, in the center of the throne, there is the lamb there. there's a message he's trying to send to us in this dream. The lamb looked as if it had been killed, in other words, slaughtered, killed on purpose, and it's still standing. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God that were sent into all the world. The Lamb came and took the scroll from the right hand of the one sitting on the throne. Then He took the scroll. When He took it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders bowed down before the Lamb. Each one of them had a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's holy people. And they all sang... You know, in heaven, everybody sings. <laughs> in heaven, everybody sings. I just thought you ought to know that. They all sang a new song to the Lamb. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were killed, and with the blood of your death, you bought people for God from every tribe, language, people, and nation. You made them to be a kingdom of priests for our God, and they will rule on the earth. You know I I noticed this, that these people the Lamb dies for are to be servants and to live in victory. You living in victory? Maybe you've taken your eyes off the Lamb. But I notice why is this passage so significant? Because it says it he bought people, this lamb bought people from every tribe, every language, every people, every nation. Write down this passage, John eleven, forty nine through fifty two, and look at it later. And notice that Caiaphas, a high priest, makes a statement that God gives him and he doesn't even know what he's saying. He doesn't even realize what he's saying. What's everyone mean? Everyone includes me. That's the first thing I know. Praise God. Amen? (laughs) Oh, good. (laughs) I wonder if I was covered. Yes! Praise God. Everybody, Everybody includes me. But everyone includes everybody else, too. What do you mean, Tim? I'm saying the next time you look at somebody, you're looking into a human being you're looking into the eyes of someone God slaughtered His lamb for. You need to remember that. He says every tribe, every language, every people, every nation, what's that mean to Him? Everybody? Yeah. Me and everyone else. That means everyone you mean like my family? Yes, your family. And, and, and those family members that you've had a falling out with, that you need to deal with. Does that, does that include my friends? It includes your friends, even so, some of those friends that have hurt you, or betrayed you, or backstabbed you, or torpedoed you. Does it include them? Yes, it does. Not just the ones that like you, not just the ones that buy you soda, Zody. What about strangers? I'm not trying to be a prophet. Not trying to be something. Like, oh. But I I venture to say you're all going to run into a stranger today. Is that? I didn't violate any prophecy there. You're not going to stone me, are you? It even rhymes, so you know it's going to be true. You're going to meet a stranger today and when you look at them and you glance over at them, take another look because the, the Lamb of God was slaughtered for them. You know, Caiaphas... Let me tell you what he says. One thing he does say. He says, he says that we don't... They're saying we need to get... This Jesus, is, everybody's going to end up following him. He says, no, 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 no. Don't be messing with him. Because he's going to call not only Israel, but everyone that's scattered back together and they be one. Caiaphas doesn't even realize high priest is saying this Jesus is going to die for the whole world. Every tribe... Every language, every people, every nation. Does that mean race? A different race? Absolutely. Different color? Absolutely. Different, different amounts of education? Different m- amounts of money in our pocket? Absolutely. Everybody. What about the lesbian and the homosexual? Everybody. What about the abuser? Everybody. I'll never forget years ago and Gary will remember this story. Back when we've way back. We're talking pre way back. I think the Ethiopian visited our church. That's how far back, okay? Woman became a Christian, she's comes to church, been going to church for several months. And here comes a guy walking into church building that happened to be the guy that raped her. She freaks out, runs into the ladies' restroom. Some sisters follow. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? They're like, "Oh, listen now, it's going to be okay. No, you understand. Jesus loves him. What am I going to do?" What am I going to do? She's wrestling with this idea. Am I going to be a problem? Or am I going to let, be a servant? She'd come out of that bathroom determined to please God. Everyone means everyone. What about the freeloader? Everyone. I step on some toes there. Sorry. What about the lazy guy, everyone? What about the person that's so caught up in, the, in things that you know, and that I just can't get their attention, everyone? That cranky neighbor? Not him too. Him too. He died for everyone. When you look at the Lamb, look at the world that He saved, church. Look at the world that he saved. Number four, the Lamb of God, when I look at him, I learn that he's my provider. He's my provider. There's a little point. But it's to me it's little, but it's big. At the same time. I don't know how to say it. You know, when Abraham, remember Abraham, you, you read about lambs being offered all the way to the first book of the Bible to the last book of the Bible. It's just all over the place. Remember the story of Abraham? He's taking his son. They're gonna go up to the mountains, gonna have a sacrifice. They load everything up, and off they go. And you can just see Isaac, a little kid, going, What's that, Dad? Oh, that's a tree. What's that over there? Oh, that's a, that's a lion. What's that over there? Oh, wait a minute, what's that lion over there? What, <laughs> oh, what's that? What's, what makes this? What's that? Where are we going? How, when are we gonna get there? Okay, okay, okay. But then you finally hear this question. We've got everything, but where's the lamb? That's what he asks. Where's the lamb? And Abraham says, God Himself. (laughs) Wow, it's amazing how words leap out at you. God Himself. What I can't provide, what you can't get, God will get for you. God Himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering. Wow. Never saw that till now. God Himself. And did He? He sure did. He sure did. And when Moses comes along, look what it says here when Moses comes along. Here in Exodus, he says, he says Take care of them lambs until the fourteenth day of the month when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. He goes on he goes on to say this. He says, After you after you do that, he says, then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and the tops of the door frames of the house where they eat the lambs. So as the death angel's passing over, they're eating the lamb that was slaughtered for them. I don't know if it's is there a connection to the Lord's Supper here? Is there a connection to the words Jesus says, if you're gonna you know, you're really gonna follow me, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood I I didn't study that part. Maybe I just noticed that I noticed this: that while they're being protected, God is providing. He's providing with the Lamb. Revelation. Look at this. Look here. Here from Genesis to Revelation. Look at this. Revelation 7: For the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne shall feed them, and shall lead them. Unto living fountains of water, and God shall wipe away all their tears from their eyes. What do you need from God this morning? What do you need from God? The Lamb will provide. You need hope. My marriage, Tim. I don't even know where to start. Start with God. Start with the Lamb. I'm I'm just so I'm just so worried about things. Start with the Lamb. Look at the Lamb. Don't look at the problem so much. Look at the Lamb. I'm so discouraged at work. And I, don't, well, I don't know what the future holds. Well, the Lamb is already there. He, John the Baptist said he, he was before Him and after Him. He's already there waiting for you. You're not going to be alone. He provides. I guess that point's in there for me because I need to know that. I worry way too much. What's the last thing? The last thing is the lamb. When I look at the lamb, I'm, I need to realize the lamb must be followed. You know, we just talked a few weeks ago about Jesus being a shepherd, and now he's a lamb, and both follow, are followed. Did you read that? See that notes there on Revelation seven? It says he'll feed them and lead them. The lamb. This morning I'm walking. I'm walking um, from the. My truck over to the building, and I see the geese heading north. and they're following one. You know what I'm saying? The one ahead of them. Some of them are in V's, some are in straight lines. When I was a kid, we'd have pigs, and we tried to get them out of a pen. When one finally crossed, went through the door, they all begin to follow. And sheep operate the same way. That first lamb that moves, they all kind of follow. Cattle work that way. Horses work that way. If you can guide the lead one, you can guide the whole herd. And what happens to John the Baptist when he says, look at the Lamb? Look what happens. He says, the next day, will I follow the Lamb? Will I consciously believe, trust, and follow the Lamb? Somebody, um, is it Revelation? I want to say Revelation 14.4. And if you've got a Bible, we don't say this much in there, and turn there. Um, let, let me read this to you. I thought this was interesting. He's talking about uh, in, in Revelation 14:4 4, the 144,000. This is everybody that's in heaven. The picture is everybody, all the people that are supposed to be in heaven are there. Everybody that's supposed to be there is there. In other words, they've made it through the it, it's victory. And he says here um, in verse four, these are those who did not defile themselves with women, for they kept themselves pure. They follow the Lamb wherever He goes. They were purchased from among men and offered as firstfruits to God and the Lamb. No lie was found in their mouths. They were blameless. How could they be blameless? Because Jesus took away all their sin. He took it all away. But notice it says, They follow the Lamb wherever He goes. I want to encourage you. Don't be, don't be a vampire, Christian. I want the blood. Thanks, Jesus, for forgiving me. Thanks for saving me. Hey, see you later. I got a lot to do. Talk later, okay? No, no. It's got to be more than that. Romans three says it this way. God sent Christ to be our sacrifice. Christ offered his life's blood so that by faith in him, we could come to God. He said, "He said, what is it? You've died for the whole world. How do I receive?" The forgiveness of sins. How do I receive this propitiation, which is basically the elimination of God's wrath upon me? I do that by putting my faith in Christ. A faith that believes, that trusts, and turns, that obeys. I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know where you are with God. It's not really my business, it's yours. But I want to encourage you. Do you see the Lamb? Do you, do you, are you looking at the Lamb? I want to encourage you to focus on the Lamb of God. And He will give you all you need. He will help you through whatever you're going through. What's that, what, what do you mean by focus? And Well, it may mean uh, sitting down with somebody and having a personal Bible study. That's what's on that card. Maybe it includes that. I'd like to study the Bible with somebody. Or you might need some help with a particular area in your life. That's where some boxes you can check. Maybe there's a specific thing you want people to pray for. And I want you to know, when, we take the, when you fill out these cards, you put a prayer request. Some of, most of us know what happens, but I want to explain to those that may not know this. We take those cards. We divide them up and give them to people on our prayer ministry. And they only talk to God about what's on those cards. Okay? They pray to God and talk to God about, about what you're putting on those cards, whether it's confidential or not. They know you don't need them to gossip to somebody else, but to give it to God in your behalf. And so take advantage of that. If there's something you need to pray about, something you ask, ask God, help me, help me, you know, maybe I need to recommit my life to Christ and rededicate your life to Jesus again and say, you know what? I want the Lamb to be more than just. A side thought I want it to be the center of my life if it's in the center of the throne of God it needs to be the center of my life too we're going to give you some time after I pray we're going to give you some time to collect those or fill out those cards then we're going to while we sing a song and then we 're going to sing another song and collect those cards and then we'll be through with our service may God richly bless you to walk and follow the lamb of God let's pray Lord God thank you for this morning Lord thank you for this statement what a description Father, we want to concentrate before your throne here, asking your help. Lord, I, th- I know there's some of us here this morning that really don't know what to do. Father, our, our self-image is shot. And Father, we pray that as we look to Jesus, we look at your Lamb, Lord, we see how much we matter, and and our hearts be filled with gratitude. Lord, I pray that that as a church here that we'll also understand and comprehend, Father, where you, Your Son needs to be in our lives. He was spotless. He was a perfect sacrifice. So we don't have to worry about our sins coming back to haunt us. They can be gone and taken away. Lord, I pray, Father, that, that we see that you, you, you were, Your Son was offered for everyone, Father. Everyone. Not just the people we like, but the people we don't like. Not just the people we get along with, but the people we don't get along with. And Father, let us see how much You provide. That like Abraham would say, You Yourself will provide. And help us see how much You you can provide through Jesus. And Lord, I pray that help us follow You. We're not very good at it sometimes. Sometimes we, we wander off. I mean, we are like sheep. Help us look at the Lamb. Look closely. And follow as best we can. Well, I know somebody here needs to study the Bible. They need to get in the Bible study. They're not sure where to start. I pray you give them the courage and the faith to start looking in their their Bible with somebody. They make that decision today. There's someone here, Father, that needs to rededicate their life to you. I pray, Father, they'll do that too as they fill out this card, as they hear these words of encouragement in song, and as we close out this service. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.